Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, I'm a programmer at TIFF now, and this is the other thing I do. My guest this week is Dan Abramovici, an actor and filmmaker you might recognize from his 2014 feature Ben's at Home, or from a decade of appearances in TV series as varied as Murdoch Mysteries, Man Seeking Woman, Clarice, Hudson and Rex, and Star Trek Short Treks, where he played a green guy. He's also made a really moving short film, Liminal, starring friend of the show Aaron Poole. You should seek that out. Dan wanted to talk about Supercop, Stanley Tong's even more amped up third chapter in the Police Story series. It's the one where Jackie Chan's cocky Hong Kong police officer is sent to mainland China and teamed up with a local officer who's even better at the fighting, kicking, and punching than he is, because of course she is. She's Michelle Yeoh. You know that viral clip of Michelle Yeoh jumping a motorcycle onto a moving train? This is the movie where she did that. But this is also the movie where Jackie Chan hangs off a helicopter. So fasten your safety harness and meet the cops who can't be stopped. This is someone else's movie. I moved to Canada in 1992. I didn't speak any English. And my grandma would come and, you know, babysit me, like hang out uh, for that first year for the warm months, you know, spring to fall. Mm. And she also didn't speak much English, but she was a huge uh, cinephile. So, you know, that first fall, I went to TIFF with her and we saw uh, Boz Lerman's Strictly Ballroom. Yeah, yeah. And that movie, you know, it, 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 <laughs> This sounds so weird. I was like 10, but it made me feel seen in some way. It made me feel like I found my own kind of weird thing, me and my grandma, right? And then, you know, then she would uh, she would play uh, Buster Keaton for me and, and uh, old musicals, uh, the old Gene Kelly stuff. And I found myself, I loved that, but I was also, you know, a young boy. I loved action. I was a big fan of Sylvester Stallone and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger at the time. And my first friend was a kid named Joseph Wong and he had a laser disc and his family's from Hong Kong. And I went over to his house and he showed me this, uh, uh, a film called super cop police story three. Yeah. I didn't understand a word, but I understood that that movie was like at the time, the Venn diagram center of all the things in the world that I enjoyed. Uh, and for the next couple of months while I was working on my English, me and Joseph would walk around the field at lunch talking about, you know, Jackie Chan's stunts, who would win in a fight between him and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Rambo, uh, you know, who who would move through an area faster between him and Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really big deal for me. Um, we had um, I have a box uh, here. But I started collecting then with, you know, all the DVDs of pretty much every Jackie Chan movie from 1978 to the late 90s. Um, I hadn't watched Super Cop till we prepped for this interview, right? I watched the uh, the original language version with subtitles, and then mm -hmm. I watched the hilariously dubbed version with Kung Fu fighting and the Mortal Kombat movie uh, music and yeah. all the other things. So, Oof. so I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Excited um, to talk about this with you. It's funny. We just did an episode 
I just released an episode with Anthony Shim where I was telling him about the same, like my Laserdisc days as well, because I grew up at Young and Steel's in the, mm. in the eighties. And there oh, were yeah. a bunch of uh, like karaoke equipment, yes. rental shops, and they all had Laserdiscs as well, because that's what karaoke machines used. And so they just ended up catering to both interests. And that's how I saw all the, all the early John Woo's. I'm pretty sure yep. there was an Edward Yang movie flapping around in there. And, um, and it's, uh, it's incredible to haven't had an experience of a film in its original version and then watch, you know, the dimension films, Miramax dumbed down cut, um, and still like experience it with an audience. that's just going crazy because it's all the visuals, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. it, Jackie Chan dubbing himself, it's fine. His English was never that great. And it works for the character um, in both that and Rumble in the Bronx, because in both cases, he's supposed to be out of his element and, and a fish out of water. And so struggling with the accent actually kind of works in, in mm -hmm. any case. But the the sheer physical virtuosity of a Jackie Chan movie, um, it's just glorious. I mean, he is, and the Keaton thing you mentioned, like he was always a prop comic. Jackie Chan's fight style is evasive and terrified. And and it's really the smartest thing they ever did with him is let him lean into the comedy. And you know, like Sammo Hung obviously knew that about him. They've mm -hmm. known each other their whole lives. But but then once he started working with other directors who could also just kind of go with whatever flailing he wants to do and and you know, sure, throw him on the end of a helicopter and just have him be, you know not low status. He is a super cop, or at least he keeps saying he is, but he is the guy who's going to die in every scene if he doesn't figure something out, right? Like he has absolutely no skills other than improvisation, which is phenomenal to translate into action. Oh my God. And, and, and he, I agree with everything you said. And and it, I remember it felt so fresh for me then as a kid, as a, and then as a teen, but even now watching it again, you know, and, and, recently having watched you know like the Bourne movies mm -hmm. or 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 bond or john wick or anything is how human jackie is you know he's always fighting from the bottom there's always you know he he needs to kick your butt but he also needs to make sure you don't drop the 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 heirlooms that you know he's fighting to protect or he doesn't have shoes or you know, he, yeah. he needs to get from here to there, but you're in the way. So he's, you have guns. He wants to disarm you. Like he's always fighting from the bottom and every scene feels like he's, he's not quite ready. He's, he's improvising. He's turning a, a rope ladder into a, a weapon or he's, you know, he, in, in this movie in super cop climbing hills climbing upstairs to get away from the bad guys or chase the bad guys mm -hmm. he's winded he's struggling he's perspiring he doesn't have a plan he gets to the top of the hill you know james bond would would know what he wants to do jackie i i guess we're gonna jump and hope for the best <laughs> and then they get banged up and hurt like it's very human and it's very very endearing and and, and, and empathetic and I mean, I think the other thing too that's helped with that is the the end credit stuff where you just actually watch the failed stunts oh. and realize just how much punishment he puts himself through. I mean, at this point now, 30 odd years later, he can't move his face. Like he's damaged right. himself permanently uh, for his art 
but his art is so good that in the moment you almost want him to do more and and take bigger risks, which is which is nuts because no one should die for a movie. Um, and the fact that Jackie Chan hasn't is some kind of weird triumph that he is he is really working at an elite level with with preparation and with padding and all the stuff that you don't see. But my God, the man should like he should be jelly. There's no way he survives oh, yeah. every one of these things. And 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 for those listening, there's some great videos on YouTube on just you know <laughs> his stunt history and his injuries. It's just it's absurd. Um, and I think I also I, I you know in 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 prepping for this, I I listened to an interview, which yeah, he talked about how when he came out and everybody wanted him to be you know the next Bruce Lee, which was quickly abandoned. But his focus was on his martial arts training. He was most interested in giving you um, uh, great fight choreography. Then everybody kind of jumps in and is trying to do what he's doing and he wants to to up it. So he started to do stunts. Then he started to do stunts with vehicles. Then he started to jump off roofs onto moving planes and nobody was doing that. So <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he, he stayed in the other dimension. Um, but I, I think, you know, some, something that is interesting, if I may, is, is talk a little bit about kind of the origin sure. of Jackie Chan. Um, for those who don't know, he was born in Hong Kong. His father had to move to Australia when Jackie was very, very young. And Jackie was a very uh, uh, wild kid. And so the family decided that you know, with uh, with dad being away and, and, and Jackie being a handful, they would enroll him in the uh, Yu Jim Yuan China Drama Academy, which was a Peking opera school, opera school. And, you know, now we hear about all these actors who went through some like major conservatory and you're like, oh, family must have had a lot of money and whatever. This was an orphanage that actually paid the family to adopt their kid because they were supported by getting the kids out to perform and putting on shows. But to get them ready was this incredible regiment of, you know, it, it, it was like an army. It was wake up early, do uh, this martial arts, then do stunts, then, then sing, then dance, then do it again. And because Jackie was the adopted son of the Sifu, of the master. Anytime anybody screwed up, Jackie would have to do their punishment with them. So, you know, you talk about this like thousand hours rule. Mm. Jackie put in thousands and thousands of hours singing, dancing, martial arts, weapons, stunts, what have you. In that school were uh, Yuen Biao and Samuel Hung. Uh, Three, so three of the biggest Hong Kong action stars in the world graduated from that year. Um, yeah, just remarkable. From that school, Jackie started to do stunts. He was um, hired by Samo to be a stuntman on a couple of Bruce Lee productions. And then he was, you know, discovered and started to star in his own vehicles. He did a number of just incredible uh kung fu movies uh back to back to back tried to break into into canada <laughs> into, yeah. into hollywood with the big brawl and with cannonball run which we can talk about that you know, 
wasn't the smartest way to showcase Jackie having him fight on sand. But then when he came back to Hong Kong, he wanted to do something different. He wanted to to do something with stunts. And kind of that was the origin of the original police story. Yeah, where he levels up, where he inserts himself into an existing genre structure and still manages to do Jackie Chan stuff, right? Like it is, it's this, it's this fascinating, it's not an infection exactly of the genre by Jackie Chan, but it would be unthinkable now to see that movie with that, with those stunts, with anybody else in the lead. It's, it's really kind of remarkable. And then from police story comes his entire career. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and police story, I didn't know this, um, he, uh, first of all, Police Story 1 was uh, nicknamed by the cast and crew Glass Story because the original, did you, did you know about this, Norm? I'm just assuming it's got something to do with all the breaking glass, but is there something that else? Is, you would be correct, sir. Okay, good. Yeah, because it is the thing I think of when I think of that movie. Yeah, uh, he, he talked about being in uh, in Hong Kong and, and, and seeing all these uh, glass skyscrapers everywhere. And he just had this idea of like, well, what if I uh, structure this movie around stunts that involve me smashing through and smashing people through glass? Um, it works. Know, and that's, it works for him. It, it totally it totally works for him. Um, so he did Police Story 1. He did more movies. He did Police Story 2. And then we come to Police Story 3 Super Cop, which I think is, the, I think for me is the first time that I saw Jackie Chan not just doing stunts, but also really doing character work and and and, and playing someone who's a bit more complex. Uh, yeah. And of course, it being a two-hander with the incredible Michelle Yeoh. Uh, a fun little factoid about Michelle uh, Yeoh there is her first uh, on-camera role was actually with Jackie Chan in a watch commercial. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, she's on a she's on a horse. He's on a motorcycle. They ride past. He thinks she's very beautiful. She gives him a smile. He crashes. And uh, the watch is okay. So, you know, that commercial actually got her discovered. And uh, and, and she signed on uh, with this production company. She made, yes, uh, madam, retired to start a family. Mm-hmm. That didn't really happen. I guess we should be grateful because after four years of of uh, of uh, of retirement, she came back with uh, Police Story 3. Yeah, and Police Story 3 is also the little tiny nexus of Yo's future, right? Because the biggest moments in Everything Everywhere All at Once are drawn from Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love, and that stars Maggie Chung, and there she is. Uh, I didn't playing, realize. Playing May, the, the, yeah. the annoying girlfriend, who is not usually annoying, but in this film has to be for comedy reasons. Yeah. Do we, do we want to talk a little bit about the film and all the great, action and, and oh, moments and just kind of is that absolutely it's your episode go, where, go wherever you really want. yeah yeah okay man because there's just there's just so much which i think then could be just a fun uh uh, uh jump pad jump pad uh launch pad uh springboard other springboard thank you whichever you to like. other things sure okay cool so well you know uh super cop police story three um jackie reprises his role of kevin chan a hong kong cop he teams up with michelle yo's book inspector jessica yang with a mission to earn the trust of a bad guy named Panther so he can get close to Panther's boss, 
Chaibot. There's shenanigans. There's many kicks and punches to the face. There's great stunts. There's slapstick comedy. Um, and uh, yeah, let me get into it. So huh, the dubbed version is interesting uh, in that it's really kind of gotten a filter of like MTV 90s all over it. Very much uh, so. Yeah, starting uh, right, right from the get-go um, in this movie, we waste no time. Jackie arrives at the police station. His bosses say that what they need is a super cop. They say it, I think, five times in two minutes. Yeah. This bit I didn't totally get. Like, I didn't completely understand why they need to trick him into offering himself up as the super cop after two movies of him doing the craziest stuff in the world. Like why, why the game of getting him to hear it through a, a slightly open door? Yeah. Well, I think in the, I mean, I know in the Hong Kong version, it's just explained that he actually, they don't expect that he'll take it because it's too dangerous, even for him, that anybody even who takes him. this assignment is going to get shot in the face in the first two seconds. So they need to pump up how desperate it is in order to lure him to taking the job. But also this is the one where it tilts full on into comedy. So sure. I think they're just playing with the audience's understanding as well of how uh, how preposterous it would be for, for there to be a challenge he can't handle. Because also at this point, um, he has a very high opinion of himself. Right. The, the whole acid-washed look. I had forgotten about that. Oh, he it's just, such a good look. Yeah. He shows up having walked out of a time machine from six months in advance of whenever they shot this thing. Like, he wants to look absolutely cutting edge. They've dressed him this way. And it just reads as ridiculous, which I think is great. He's Nobody else looks like this. He is a swaggering, you know, he's high on his own supply after the first two movies. Um, yeah. Which is even weirder in the in the American dub because he's just introduced for the first time this way. No one saw mm -hmm. the first two movies. Uh, in 1995, when this came out, there was, that's why they changed the title, but it works either way because you just want to see him get slapped around somehow. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. In seventh grade, I tried the Jackie Chan, uh, Jean, Jean, white shirt underneath. Look at, uh, everybody has it, a phase. It, yeah. It, it doesn't work as well when you're uh six foot, 130 pounds soaking wet with <laughs> acne. Uh, they don't. Really, it's not as cool. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. So he obviously he takes the job. He goes off. We um we uh we first of all, we yeah, you're right. We meet his girlfriend, which I didn't know. I hadn't watched this movie in forever. In the mood for love. Mm -hmm. I mean, like many people, it was one of my all-time favorite movies. I didn't realize that his girlfriend is played by the amazing Maggie Chung. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't like she's given absolutely nothing to do that challenges her acting ability, but yeah, it's like Mary and Cody are showing up in in the taxi films, this Lupuson produced Euro action series. It never really broke in North America, but I think that might have been the first thing I saw her in. And then she just kept coming back because she liked them. They were not challenging for her. And it was mm -hmm. a good check. I can't really hold it against them. But then you see the other work they do. And it's like, oh, okay, these people are like genuine artists that just got tricked into being in an action movie for an hour. Right, right. Right. And she's, you know, she's great in it. You're right. She's, she's given very little to do, but what, what she gets to do, she does an awesome job in. she's, she, it's played a lot for comedy and, and she, she, she kills it. But yeah, who would have thought that this person is going to be the same person that Ankar Wiley's on for a couple of the greatest films ever. Yeah. And I also don't want to knock Maggie Chung because you know, no, she did, amazing. she did make action movies as well and she's very good at it, but it's just, the role of May is so strange and, yeah. and just not for her, like not where you think she would be. 
in any mm-hmm. of these things. Yeah, that's right. Um, so Jackie takes the job off to uh, off to meet Michelle Yeoh. Now, something kind of neat that I didn't know about this. Um, so Jackie's a very competitive fellow. The stunt that he does at the end of the film where he jumps off the roof and holds onto the ladder was mm-hmm. not originally scripted. He he did it as a response to Michelle doing what was at the time far and away the biggest stunt in the film, which was her incredible motorcycle jump off the ramp onto a moving actual real life train with nothing but some boxes at the side of the road to protect her from death. It's unbelievable that, I mean, it's unbelievable that anyone would do it, but that she was allowed to do it. It's even worse. Like incredible. She, what are, I mean, I'm, I'm approaching this as an insurance issue more than anything else, right? Like we all know Tom Cruise signs some kind of waiver so he can go off and try to kill himself in space. Mm-hmm. But the entire Hong Kong <laughs> industry is about, you know, faces and personalities and every single one of them is putting themselves at risk for something. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah, it's shocking, but but just I think the whole philosophy of uh, of making action was so different in uh, in Hong Kong versus in Hollywood. Like like and, and, and Jackie had a quote about this that I liked. He said that you know in in Hollywood you'll spend uh, twenty days or sorry you'll spend ten days doing the dialogue and two days doing the action. In Hong Kong we'll spend one day doing the dialogue. We'll spend twenty weeks the action like just the focus is completely the balance is completely completely different um yeah uh 15 minutes in so we meet michelle yo there's a little bit of i don't know do you think that this is a little bit of a of a dig that he's doing towards uh china kind of he he sits down and everybody over there is so by the book and so organized and he's just kind of like free spirit or am i reading too much into it it definitely feels like that there's also some casual stuff about oh you know when hong kong when china reclaims hong kong in 1997 all of this will be moot anyway there's definitely a feeling like he's gonna he and by he i mean jackie chan the producer actor not not the character he's playing is is quietly saying he doesn't plan to change and his whole thing was then moving to america and making the rush hour films as a way of getting away from whatever was going to happen in 97. Right. So maybe even then he's sort of signaling his intentions of just not being able to be um, co-opted by a communist government. Yeah. And I understand that his politics have changed quite a bit. I, I have I, heard this I, as well. Yeah. I have not, you know, I, I like to keep my Jackie Chan, <laughs> 1995 Jackie Chan. So I don't know. I don't know what he's said, but yeah, at this point, I think, yeah, yeah, you're right. He, he He's having a little bit of fun in there. Um the first big action set piece of the film happens when Michelle Yeoh uh, takes him to the training facility and asks him to do a little demonstration against just the most intimidating jacked up soldier <laughs> man ever. Yeah. Uh, Captain America, basically. Captain America. And, and, and this, yeah, talking about Jackie Chan's vulnerability and his humanity and his action scenes, like we see that here on full display. He doesn't want to fight this guy. He he just wants to do a little bit of like, you know, I'll touch you here, you touch me there. We'll we'll you know we'll smile and and show them our moves a little bit. But this guy's not having it, and is going for broke. And you have this escalation happening throughout this fight where Jackie seems to hit him back almost as like an involuntary response, yeah, you know, rather than trying to win, really. 
Yeah, um, his defense mechanisms kick in. His defense mechanism kicks in, and and he gives him a little something. Uh, of course, that fight scene ends, and uh, Jackie ends up being rolled away for a, a fun little comedic beat where he's uh, hanging upside down on a tree. These things happen. These things happen. Yeah. And they happen to him all the time. And there's that that rolling wheel thing that he sort of just gets stuck in. And mm-hmm. it's hard to figure out, honestly, whether it's intentional or not. He plays it as though it's not, but maybe it's just a way of short-circuiting the actual fight because that would also be in character. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's great. And then uh, <laughs> off, like this this movie doesn't really waste any time, eh? Like right from this, we're, we're straight off meeting the bad guy, um, Ewan Waz Panther, who, mm-hmm. by, by the way, is also a graduate of Jackie's school. The man has over... 60 major action credits and again was a bruce lee stuntman uh, as he's i wonder if he got cast as a villain largely because of his uh, facial hair it's tremendous and <laughs> it's very very good he has a great look he has a great presence a and great you look. know you also it's one of those things where you've seen him in enough movies that you kind of know immediately what to expect but also you're excited to see him he's you know mm-hmm. he's, he's the he brings value he does not bring anything negative at all it's like oh this guy's going to be punchy something's going to happen he's going to fight with yeah. people and and inevitably we get exactly that but he's also his character is amazingly logical which i love he is probably smarter <laughs> than the than the heroes but only directed in in the direction of crime so obviously that's his his achilles heel but he actually does think through the obstacles and objections before they happen. I was really impressed this time through. It's just like, no, this this is a good adversary. And yeah. in the end, he's sort of just there to set up Chibot anyway, but I like him. He's fun. And when when he gets sidelined, you kind of miss him. Absolutely. And and we get to have all that kind of fun, both in this uh, uh, scene coming up now where, where Jackie uh, helps him with his jailbreak, and then later on where, um, where Jackie and Michelle and Panther on the boat, where... You know, Panther has no issue killing cops and mm-hmm. and 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 running through them. Jackie needs to keep his trust, but also protect everybody's lives. Um, and again, you have this uh, I- interesting kind of dynamic where where Jackie's fighting and and trying to to do his thing, but also has that other layer of trying to keep people safe and 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 not give up the game. Uh, and I love that scene, by the way, where they're running up the hill, where where Jackie and uh, and, and Panther have to get away from the cops, and it's a steep incline, and they can barely do it. Yeah, they're escaping a mining facility where the, the police pursuing them are in a mine car, and they're on foot. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult, to say the least. But you get, yeah, you get this worn down exasperation. It's actually weirdly similar to a scene in John Wick Chapter 4, uh, which has this set piece involving... Just stairs, really, just the, the steps up to the destination that becomes its own Sisyphean challenge, I suppose. I don't even know right. how to describe it. I don't want to give anything away, but it is just exceptionally good at mixing and matching complication and exhaustion in the same way. And then watching That's Super great. Cop again, I was thinking, hang on, this couldn't possibly be. There's no way this this was inspired. But then how could I be sure, right? It's entirely possible that they did think about it. I'd love to ask them. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because so much of Jackie Chan's films have stunts that feel unreplicable, irreplicable. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what the proper term is. Like, there's no way you could do this again with anybody else. But you can use the lessons 
in your own choreography going forward and figure stuff out that way. For sure. And something that he was doing in this movie that also I don't I don't see very much about. I'm curious if if John Wick does that, if they're, you know, specifically studying Jackie in any way is uh, he he really sells his injury and exhaustion. It really mm. carries over from one scene to the next. Like it's a personal pet peeve of mine in action movies when, you know, you've just fallen off whatever or you've climbed whatever hill and then the sequence ends. Next scene in our timeline takes place minutes later and you're... Yeah fresh hey it's norm interrupting my own show to bring you up to speed on shiny things my twice weekly newsletter about physical media culture and the odd streaming project production's been a little spotty these past couple of weeks but i'm getting back on the horse with dungeons and dragons honor among thieves arrow videos restoration of michael mann's black hat and Paramount's 4K box set of all the Transformers movies because apparently I have a masochistic streak. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at shiny-things.ghost.io or find the link at the Simcast Twitter account. You like reading about movies, I like writing about them. Come check it out. The John Wick films have come up with a, a, a whole mythology around that, like all the suits are bulletproof and uh, impact resistant so you can shoot someone in the chest and they'll fall down but they'll get back up again without a wound, without being winded. Uh, also, there there's at least one movie where somebody just gets shot after shot of adrenaline to just keep them on their feet. Or, and someone says as much, like, this will give you 12 hours, but then you're going to collapse. And it's all we need, right? I mean, right. none of this is real, but the, the way that, yeah, the way that Jackie Chan gets hurt and acknowledges it, I don't think anybody else... I mean, you think about the way Chow Yun-Fat comes off in action sequences where he just, in, in the John Woo movies especially, where he just waltzes into a room in mm -hmm. that trench coat and he's indestructible. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that will slow this guy down, plus the sunglasses, right? And you never really see mm -hmm. him. But Jackie Chan looks scared and worried all the time. And it sells it. It makes him so relatable as an action hero. I don't, I don't know if anybody else... Um, Daniel Craig does it as Bond. Like he played hurt. He let he, he let the injuries pile up over the years in a way that made sense. But yeah, yeah, it's just it's just not something you see in the '90s at all. No, and it's also uh, the mugging. Like mm. Jackie Chan is one of the few actors that you know can basically turn to the camera with a completely befuddled expression. And and never once will that break your enjoyment or, or 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 the you know the believability of the world he's building. He can just do that. It's pretty much him and Jerry in my book. <laughs> yeah, and it is like um, there's a. I was thinking of Frank Tashlin, and, okay, and and the elaborate '60s comedies he made, where a, a kind of a rubber reality is sort of essential to it where it just mm -hmm. the world can bend around your hero because your hero is experiencing everything so intensely that it's fine to fall down a flight of stairs and bounce back up right and it's like the gene kelly thing right the, the the physical grace can apply to almost anything once you have the confidence to try it in a scene and yeah jackie chan will just do something casually with his with his with one hand while he's fighting somebody, he's like reaching behind him for something. And, and the act of reaching and the gesticulation on his hand is so elaborate and ridiculous that your eye yeah. is drawn to it. And it's just like, oh, he's panicking. And it's not, it's part of the gag, but it's all building into that same persona every time, movie after movie after movie. And then once they realized it could be used as comedy, it just takes off. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I sometimes wonder like, what, 
it, it where is the next where's the next action hero that's going to be able to kind of bring in that comedy draw on the work of buster keaton and and charlie chaplin and 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 and, and you know the um, what was uh what was the one where he was hanging from the clock oh harold lloyd oh no i'm thinking of project a well, no, oh, the, ja- sorry ja- i'm thinking the jackie chan one yeah no i was going for the original yeah you can see his influences you can see his love of uh you know, all the silent film heroes and a lot of his work and, and a lot of his stunts are just straight taking something that he loved, like Harold Lloyd hanging off that clock tower, which, you know, he managed to do with uh, optics, but actually being like, I'm going to do this for real. I'm going to hang off this clock tower <laughs> and I'm going to fall through multiple awnings, break my spine, get up and do it two more times to get it perfect. It's amazing he's not dead. And I don't want to sound like a film snob about uh, the John Wick movies, but like what I don't love about the John Wick movies in a lot of action is exactly what I love so much about Jackie Chan's uh, action, which is the clarity of it all. Like I love that a hallmark of a classic Jackie Chan movie is the camera is locked off in a wide and we see everything. We see the attack, we see the impact, we see the fallout, we see it all. It's not constantly cutting and moving the camera to hide the thing. In fact, have you seen the um, the uh, Every Frame of Painting uh, video on Jackie Chan's action? No. So it's- I, mean, um, I, I, know the, I know the guy, but I haven't seen this one, no. Yeah. So yeah, every frame of painting is is just a, a great channel for those who don't know. They do a he does a really great deep dive into whatever aspect of filmmaking. He does this one on um, on Jackie, and he called out something that w- once you see it, you will always see it. It's not really prevalent in um, Police Story three, but certainly in like the more kind of martial arts heavy ones, like Drunken Master two. Mm-hmm. Jackie loves clarity in his action. So there's 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 fights where he will show the attack in a while see it land but then cut in close and show the hit a second time yeah never in hollywood do you do that if anything in hollywood oftentimes you you don't see the impact you see the punch going you see the head reacting and then we see the person kind of flying away jackie will make sure that we're seeing the cool bits twice so that they really register in this movie, I think the only time he really does something like that is for Michelle Yeoh's jump. It's the motorcycle jump. Yeah, that was the only thing I could think of, too. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that that stuff is great. As I'm going back to the comfortable handhold of my plot summary. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. There's... No, yeah. There's no wrong answers in this thing. Okay. I just, yeah, I just did this movie and, and uh, for a director that was very intimidating and she's like improvise. And I was like, I like lines written, <laughs> you know, and that's how I've, and I, I like to go back to the comfort of like, what does the script say? Um, anyway. Yeah. So after the whole thing with, um, with Panther, we go to Jackie's uh, hometown for a bit of comedy where, all the side characters that we met so far, his boss, um, the inspector, everybody is playing uh, members of Jackie's family. And uh, Jackie doesn't know where anything is or how to get anywhere. And meanwhile, has to lead Panther and his crew uh, uh, yes, to a family to, home he's never been to. That's right. 
And we have some wonderful, wonderful outdated humor, like Jackie's boss playing his mom. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's stuff that doesn't really work today, but it's all uh, a setup for another giant, giant brawl. At 36 minutes into the film, we have this incredible sequence where finally, for the first time, we get to see Michelle Yeoh just fully unleashed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we see some there's some there's some folks that recognize Panther. Michelle and Jackie have to to stop them because they want uh, uh, Panther to survive so we can follow him to uh, to his lair and meet his boss. And oh, there's a great sequence here that I love, especially where so uh, Jackie and Panther are being let off in cuffs. Michelle jumps through the air kicks two people in the head, lands, does this beautiful kung fu pose. One of the bad guys sees her, goes into his own complex kung fu pose, mm -hmm. and Jackie, just watching all this uh, peacocking, just kicks the man in the back of the head, and off they go. Yeah. Love that bit. It's his equivalent of the, uh, the market scene in Raiders, right? Like, just find the simplest answer. Yeah, solve, exactly. Solve the problem, and we will, and the audience just gets to respect that. Exactly, exactly. Um, and yeah, then we're off and we meet Chaibot, who we meet in just the best possible classic villain way. He's playing video games. Panther's all excited. I have these two, these two badasses here for you, Chaibot. Chaibot gives him one look and goes, throw them in the ocean. Yeah, they're cops. Don't trust them. Yeah. And we also meet one of my favorite uh, Jackie Chan collaborators here. We meet Ken Lowe playing um Chibot's uh heavy and now ken lo if you've seen drunken master 2 so one of my favorite all-time sequences in cinema and i think my top my number one jackie chan sequence is the factory battle at the end of drunken master 2 okay and ken lo is that kickboxer in there who introduces himself by extending his leg vertically in the air over his head and then just beating the ever-loving crap <laughs> out of Jackie. Um, and he'll do some of that in this movie here. By the way, Ken Lo also uh, was uh, discovered as um, he was a, a, door, a doorman at a club that Jackie liked to go out to. And Jackie was so impressed with him that he hired him as his uh, real-life bodyguard. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then eventually just cast him in stuff? Just, just yeah, realized that well, the man is an actual kickboxing monster and look like looks like a million bucks. And Jackie was like, hey, how would you also like to be a uh, action superhero? I mean, it makes so, sense. It makes a lot of sense. Jumping back to the film, you mentioned Quentin Tarantino. And uh, in my little uh, bit of research for Police Story 3, I, uh, I found that actually in an interview that Quentin Tarantino did, I believe in the early 2000s, he was asked, what if you could pick one scene or one sequence, I forget how it was worded and how, how it was phrased for him, but if you could pick one sequence to uh, uh, show humanity for the rest, for the rest of our, uh, our existence or send off into outer space, what would it be? And Tarantino chose the last 20 minutes of Police Story 3 Super Cop. And to give you a rundown of why 
this is really like this sequence coming up really feels like a best of Jackie Chan all boiled into one movie. <laughs> you know, um, the story beat that takes us here is um, Panther finds out that uh, Michelle and Jackie are uh, uh, have infiltrated. Sorry, Chaibot finds out about this and they decide to do a trade. Maggie Chung, Jackie's uh, girlfriend, in exchange for Chaibot's wife, who has been sentenced to death in a dramatic court scene sequence that has been just plopped into the movie. Yeah, that's true. That's, and so <laughs> they had a set. You might as well. Yeah. So, like, a, a lot of what, what's about to happen, I mean, I think, you know, I, I asked some questions about the logic uh, at the start of the film, but I think at this point, any questions that the viewer might have can just be answered with uh, so the movie can happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is perfect because we have freaking uh, um, helicopters to get to. So <laughs> the bad guy is holding Maggie at gunpoint in a helicopter for some reason. Hostage swap. Uh, yeah, to do Chai this. Yeah, wife is uh, yeah, more Bot's valuable wife. than than Jackie's uh, girlfriend. Let's go. That's with that. right. That's 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 right. That's the deal. We're on board. We're ready. Let's go. You know, Jackie stops traffic, jumps over barrels. Maggie Chung gets very unceremoniously tossed off of the helicopter. Which, again, realism and terrifying. <laughs> Realistic and terrifying. And then the star, the stunts begin, beginning with Jackie stealing a car in just the coolest way possible. <laughs> I'll never get tired of Jackie jumping the length of the car casually to land in the driver's seat and just taking off. Yeah. Like it's nothing. Yeah. Well, that's, that fits his, his prop comedy thing, right? Like this is in oh. front of me. How do I just, how do I get around it? What do I do? And the answer is as fast as possible. Yeah. Like I'm not a parkour guy, but I'd love to talk to parkour people and, 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 and learn about like how much of that stuff did he originate? You know, is he the granddaddy of parkour? Because th that man can run up a tree, run up like uh, the side of a wall, jump through a tiny opening and back down. Like it's nobody's business. I could see it evolving from him. Absolutely. I mean, there must've okay. been, there must've been other people doing the same thing at the same time where, but he, like that style of his dates back to the early 80s. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's just amazing. And uh, coming up now, very amazing, is uh, a stunt that apparently nearly killed uh, Michelle Yeoh. So Jackie is in the car, which he just jumped into in the coolest way possible. Michelle is hanging on to the bad guy's van. Mm -hmm. Actually hanging on. Not a safety rig. Not like a VFX thing, no sidecar, just she is hanging on to this thing and the car is moving on a highway. Yep. Michelle said that because they were in a hurry to shoot this sequence, they couldn't close off the highway. So they had their own drivers, but then they also had folks like me or you on our way to work. Can you imagine? <laughs> I know. Every single shot of this reel of the film should simply have this is real flashing above and below the subtitle bar. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, the bad guys aren't suckers. They're trying to shake Michelle Yeoh off and shake them off. They do. And Michelle has to jump off because they're shooting up at her. She has to jump off and land on Jackie Chan's car <laughs> and hang on. And the first time she did it, she missed yeah. because, you know, she's a human person still. <laughs> 
And she nearly, she said, rolled off and got under the wheel of the car. And the only thing that stopped her is Jackie barely made it to grab her and kind of redirect her fall a little bit. I know. I know. You know, Jackie calls her one of the 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 two women he he is most scared of in the world. Uh, yeah, just absolutely ridiculous. And then the rooftop stuff happens. They're chasing uh, the bad guys onto the roof. Jackie throws Panther in real life onto just like concrete one story down. They're on the train. Michelle jumps onto the train nearly dies again you see her in the in the outtakes just like falling off onto cardboard boxes and jackie jumps onto a moving helicopter onto a rope ladder now do you know is this all him or did they use some stunt people or body doubles in this thing there is at least one body double visible in the end credits okay Um, i don't know how much of it I'm assuming like the big wide shots, you just wouldn't have Jackie Chan doing that. And and obviously they're they're strapped in and they're as secure as they could be. But Are I'm they? assuming <laughs> I'm assuming there's a day or two when it's just Jackie's just not getting on that thing at all. Right. Um, and they and they had somebody else. And the hairline is a little different on the body double, so you can tell in the wide shots. But oh, wow. it's Normal also and, the and there's some and there's well, you know, big enough screen. But um and there's also some some clear work where it's just you know, he's reacting on a rope ladder in a studio with maybe, you know, a foot off the ground so he doesn't look like he's standing still. But he is, yeah, when he's flying around on a, on a rope ladder, when when that is Jackie Chan on the rope ladder on a helicopter, that is Jackie Chan on the rope ladder on the helicopter. There's a mind-boggling level of documentary to, to the last reel of this film where you just can't, your part, some part of your brain cannot reconcile the reality with the fact that you're watching a movie like suspension of disbelief is actually fighting the mm-hmm. experience of watching this movie, which I think is why it's so thrilling because, you know, even the first time I saw it, I know Jackie Chan was still making movies. I know he's walking around out there. There's obviously he will be fine, but what if he isn't and your brain oh, is just not. screaming. Like, yeah. going to fall. This is wrong. This yeah. is not what you did. This is a stunt man's job. There's so many sequences in here that are nothing that if I attempted, like there's, there's a shot earlier on in the film where Jackie like jumps through a window, closes the window behind him. And Michelle like jumps at the window. It's closed and falls down. And yeah. I would have broken myself <laughs> in 80 different places and would have had a permanent limp. And Jackie jumps on this rope ladder and the next thing that happens is he narrowly avoids like the smokestack of the train <laughs> gets hung up on this um pole and then narrowly avoids the helicopter coming back at him which you know talking about him getting hurt he didn't the first take and he dislocated his cheek i didn't even know you could do that yeah i also didn't know you could do that that's interesting he dislocated his cheek and uh, kept kept on going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Just some, someday we will find out that he's, you know, that Ionic? there's, what's the movie? There's a, there's a horror movie called Triangle from like 2010 okay. uh, with Melissa George. And there's this amazing, it's a time loop story. And the big, it's not even the big reveal of the plot, but it's the most disturbing image in it is that it's a time loop story where it doesn't reset. So 
every time somebody dies, the body is thrown on a pile and there's a body of hundreds of the same person oh. um, just piled up. And it's this one shot and then it gets past it and you're not supposed to think of it again. And it's all I can ever think about about this movie. It's a throwaway gag that is so horrifying. And I just, I keep thinking when I'm watching a Jackie Chan movie that there is a giant pit of Jackie Chan somewhere. Oh my God. And they just keep making more of them because he's dying on every one of these things. And that's the thrill, right? You're literally watching the man cheat death. Yeah. It's like the prestige, but with Jackie. Yeah. Oof. You were watching Jackie Chan cheat death, not his character. And I think that's why it's so thrilling. Yep. You know who also is cheating death, though, in those sequences is, uh, and you see this in the outtakes, is the camera people. Yeah. They're, they show in the outtakes uh, under the amazing Tom Jones redemption of Kung Fu fighting uh, in the in the dubbed version. Yeah. Miramax knew yeah. how to give the people what they wanted. That's right. Um, but yeah, they have this fellow waving all happy, but he's just what? Unlike an apple box in the sky or something? No, he's like on some plywood, but like yeah. hanging off a crane to get some aerial footage of uh, of the helicopter and Jackie flying by. Yeah, different kind of filmmaking and nobody works harder to entertain you, to give you a bang for your buck than Jackie Chan and Michelle Yeoh. Um, just unbelievable. It is. And it is just, a. it's an incredible accomplishment and, and one that 30 years later is still just stunningly entertaining. It's, yeah. I mean, even with the warts, even with the jokes that don't quite land and the weird, yeah. uh, and that one throwaway shot, which I remember somebody, it might've been Bob Weinstein, somebody at the time being incredibly proud of that. They cut the shot of the dog market out of the Hong Kong version. And that was their big moment of, um, you know, sensitivity in 1995 was cutting that for American audiences. And I think also there's a, in Drunken Master 2, they cut out that very last punchline, which, you know, simply doesn't, he's he's had so much alcohol now that he's mentally disabled. Um, you just, you right. have to find a way around that. And I get it. And it's just a different type of humor. And I think there's a couple of R word jokes in the, uh, in, this in, one. In, in Super Cop. Yeah, in the Hong Kong version, at least. Yeah, and in this one they cut out uh, a George Bush dig. Oh, that's in, in, yeah, and it's in, not in, in the American. Where, no, no, in the uh, scene where all the uh, the bad guys are, uh, you know, uh, uh, busting each other's balls and all that, they um, one one person says something like, "Who do you think I am, George Bush?" Yeah, he says that. Sorry, in the in the subtitled yeah. version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the American version, who do you think I am, Fidel Castro? Obviously, uh -huh. that was not. The original intention that's how long it's been since i saw that version i don't remember but that bit i think to your, to your point too like you know the, the 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 older kind of films like that that really stand up like all the stuff all the action kind of stuff with the cgi starts to date but the stuff where they're really really doing it mm -hmm. and it's kind of the same as like watching a ghibli film versus watching like an old a CGI movie. You see a Ghibli film and you see all the artistry that went, all the craft into making this food look amazing and yeah. making the hair move and, and making the little background details animate and, and do their thing just so to give you a, a, a sense of this world, to really fill it out and make it alive. You see that kind of dedication to craft and compare it to yeah, some of the Hollywood stuff that was coming out at the time where everything is perfectly still except for the characters' mouths and eyes. And yes, it's 3D, but is it better? And and Jackie wanted to do everything 
for real and would do it a thousand times if it meant doing it a little bit better, catching that fan a little bit smoother, getting into that car a little bit slicker, even though it's not the big showpiece, it's not the big uh, action thing, but it all is cumulative and it all gives you this incredible sense of, you know, suspending your disbelief and believing that this person is Superman. Yeah. And the other thing too that you get is that even if you do these nowadays, people won't believe that it isn't accentuated with or right. helped along or smoothened in some way with digital work. Uh, because we just assume it, we just accept that it is. And and for the most part, that's fine because on some level it means it means people are safe. It means you can do it without the risk to life and limb. But mm -hmm. the fact that that's baked in as an element, that these are long shots with no wires where there's clearly nothing underneath these people except more ground. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's thrilling. It's, it's like, it's Buster Keaton organizing a house to fall on him and making sure he stands in the right place at that level of the level of prep and the level of skill that goes into making something look like an accident is unmatched. I mm -hmm. think. I totally agree. Uh, Norm, I'm going to ask you a question that I would want to hear if I was listening to this podcast and I All had right. Norm Wilner on my podcast. Shoot. I'm going to go full high fidelity here and go Desert Island top five. Um, I want to learn about Hong Kong action. You know what? No, I want to learn action. Top five, Norm Wilner off the top of his head. Action flicks to check out for a good time. Oh, my God. Um I, my concept of action is so like you mean physical. I, does Die Hard count? Is Die Hard an action yeah, movie? Of course it does. Because Die Hard, if you I mean, think it counts, it counts. It's like because it's so like Die Hard is a machine, but it's it's also just such a rich. Die Hard is the one that I think about where I don't think they meant to invent the an entire genre, but they did, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still unsurpassed. Absolutely. Um, unless you maybe look at the other version, which is Speed, the stripped down version, yep. which is also mm -hmm. just an exquisite experience and from the cinematographer of Die Hard, which makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. And structurally exactly the same beats at exactly the same places. Speed and Die Hard are yeah. identical. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it's based in rivalry. The only difference, I think the key difference in speed is the romance, right? That this Sandra Bullock is there and she's as competent mm -hmm. as the hero. And there's nobody else in, in Die Hard because he's fighting to save his marriage. So he doesn't have the same, the, the sense of spark and discovery that that Reeves and Bullock have is is the thing that distinguishes Speed even more than the fact that they came up with a vertical version or a horizontal version of Die Hard, where it's moving you know in a straight line, but it's on the ground rather than up and down. Um, God, I don't know. And this is one of those things where I realize I don't know enough about the action films of the seven of the fifties and sixties to pick a good one because there were there mm -hmm. were some great like. Uh, Steamboat Bill Jr. or The General, those are action movies, right? Like The General is the one that I'd start with. It, I'm sure it didn't invent the modern action film, but it's it's the blueprint that it's the, it's like um, uh, it's like the difference between it happened one night and His Girl Friday, where they're both like they're both screwball comedies, they're both romances, but in It Happened One Night, you have the raw materials, which are still fantastic, but will 10 years later be refined into some, or maybe It Happened One Night in the Philadelphia Story, where you just see how it's all going to be. And then something comes along and puts it all together. Or Casablanca, like the moment where a, a genre is created, where it's, where it gels. I'm also like, I keep thinking of something like, 
you know, Terminator, it's not an action movie. It's Terminator two, 1 or Terminator 2? Uh, the first one. The second one is absolutely an action movie. The first one is a thriller because long stretches of time pass between set pieces. And T2 sure. is just a like a roller coaster. But by focusing which, on- Which would you put in your top five though? Because you have to action, pick between T2 ooh. and T1. As an action movie, I guess it would probably be Terminator 2, even though okay. it owes so much to Terminator. Like it doesn't work if you- if you haven't seen Terminator for a million different reasons, but mostly because of the gag of Schwarzenegger being the hero in the second one. Because um, here, the, the, the parameter of this uh, little thought experiment, just mm. if I make, this is very selfish. This is me now interviewing Norman, <laughs> wanting to know what to watch next is I'm off to a desert island. I can carry five discs with me. Oh. I don't need the history of cinema. I need five action movies that I can watch and rewatch and rewatch while eating my coconuts. Yeah. And I'm terrible at this because my brain is like, <laughs> well, take a hard drive, like take as much as you nope. can. No hard drives. They don't work on this desert Island, but the, there's a DVD player that works. Yeah. yeah. Ah. There's, a, there's a, there's a DVD player and there's one TV and there's enough wires <laughs> and there's a lazy boy. Okay. But I mean, there's no internet. God, I don't know. Like I just keep thinking about you all the ones to read. I just keep thinking about all the ones I haven't seen yet, right? Mm. Like I would go with and Hard Boiled. Hard Boiled is a blast. Yeah. And these are but these are also all movies that are like 80s Hard and boiled. 90s, which is unfair because there's other stuff since and before. And That's I'm, okay, just, though. I'm just like aware I'm picking I'm not I'm gonna pick my favorites and my favorites won't be representative of what's really out there. Like do I go with the raid or do I go with Ong Bak? Uh, or do I go with Dread, which actually is the English language version of the Raid, but has a sense of humor that the Raid doesn't have? Mm -hmm. You know what? Can I tell you? I'm so happy that you said Dread. I, I thought that that movie was uh, hugely uh, uh, ignored. It was. It was, it was a great yeah. film. It was a great film. And it really was the, the Raid, but and it worked great. Yeah. They just released it at the wrong time of year. I think if it had opened in the summer, it would have been a hit. And they didn't worry so much about people not knowing who Judge Dredd is because it doesn't matter. It's an action movie. You're introducing a new guy. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, you, you basically have five, but then from uh, Jackie Chan's uh, filmography, what would you go with? You I would go, yeah, I would go with Supercop. No question. It's yes, like, okay. it's the one you can't believe you're watching. The other ones are, the other ones are all fun and interesting and engaging for the most part. Like um, Armor of God is a, is a great time. But yeah, no, while you're watching Supercop, you're you're going to throw up out of terror as much as you're enjoying it because you know there's no way this ends well. <laughs> My thanks to Dan Abramovici, who's all over the place these days. Go take a look at Ben's at Home if you get the chance. It's available to rent and buy on Apple TV, and it co-stars Ruth Goodwin, who you may know from this very podcast. You can find Dan on Twitter at Dan underscore Abramovici, and you can find Supercop in a brand new 4K Blu-ray special edition from 88 Films. It's also streaming on the Criterion channel as part of a very cool Michelle Yeoh collection and available to rent or buy on various VOD platforms. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner, and you can find this podcast there at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. The first year of the show is still available for just 20 bucks at payhip.com slash Semcast, that's the first 52 episodes of Someone Else's Moody, 44 of which aren't currently available anywhere else. And check out my newsletter, Shiny Things, at shiny-things.ghost.io. I think you'll enjoy it. Our theme song is by The Last Year. If you like it or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review wherever you've been listening. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're doing that. Stay safe. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out. Get your booster when you can. I'll see you next week. <laughs>